Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, Darren Mitchell here, and welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast on this Thursday, the 11th of August, 2022. So great to have you back on board, and if you're a brand new listener, brand new subscriber potentially, thank you for joining, and uh, hopefully there's some information in today's episode that will be a catalyst for you to make some change, move your team forward, and hopefully help you move forward towards becoming an exceptional sales leader. And I also encourage you to check out some of the back catalogs. This is episode number 474. So there is a plethora of topics and a plethora of episodes on the platform that you happen to be listening to. So if you haven't yet subscribed, please press subscribe. Or if you're listening right now on the Apple platform, simply press follow and uh, I'll be able to let you know when new episodes are up and running. And of course, if you are a returning listener, greatly appreciate you jumping back on board. And uh, again, hopefully this particular episode will be adding some value to you and your sales team as you continue to move forward towards becoming an exceptional sales leader. So in today's episode, we often talk about leadership being influence and influence being leadership. And this is certainly pertinent for sales. So as a sales leader, we have to continue to work on our influencing skills, our leadership skills, and in many cases, our pitching skills. So I've just come from a half-day workshop with a great organization helping them with our pitching and presentation skills. And I thought, what better time than now to uh, share with the audience some ideas around presenting or pitching to win. I'm going to call the episode title of today's episode, Pitching to Win. And particularly when we look at sales and as a sales leader, we've got to continually keep in front of the game. And as leaders in particular, look at what's coming, what potentially our competitors might be doing, sort of preempt that. So as leaders, we've got to know the way, show the way and go the way. And part of the core responsibility, of course, of being a leader is to pitch, to present, to share ideas, to influence. Now, whether that be influencing key stakeholders in terms of individuals, influencing groups, influencing internally, but specifically influencing externally when it comes to pitching and certainly presenting, whether this is a stand-up keynote sort of presentation, whether it's a, a presentation as part of an RFT or tender process, or whether it's a preemptive type of bid, There'll be a lot of pitching and presenting that we need to do. And unfortunately, based on my experience over the last 20 plus years, a very high percentage of sales teams and sales leaders don't spend near enough time planning the pitch, planning the presentation. They go straight into solution mode and they go straight into presentation mode without enough consideration of the key messages and specifically the key outcomes that they're wanting to get from the pitch or from the presentation. Now, what's really interesting is when I sit down and speak to these sales teams and sales leaders and talk about the importance of planning and pitching, they will actually say all the right things. So intellectually, they understand the importance of planning and they understand the importance of getting the messages really tight, but still they don't spend enough time critiquing it or fine-tuning it or planning hard enough to make sure they're covering all the possible bases in terms of what the customer or stakeholders may throw at them but also considering some of the different nuances that might come up in a presentation so that if they do happen to come up, they're prepared for them. And this is one of the things that exceptional leaders do very, very well and exceptional teams do exceptionally well. In that they plan for every possible situation that might come up 
And so that when it does happen in a presentation, and often it won't, at least they're prepared and they've got a level of confidence and a level of competence to be able to handle that in the presentation or in the pitch itself. So one of the key messages I shared with the group this morning was in order to increase our opportunity and increase the probability of an influence event happening and getting the outcome that we're looking for, we need to spend more time planning. Now, often I get asked the question, can you over plan? And I think there's probably elements of over planning that can happen to the point where you you're planning for every possible conceivable outcome. And if you're coming up with a hundred different ways that a customer might object to what you're saying, then you might actually end up tying yourselves up in knots. But if you can actually think about and give yourself some space and involve your team in, in thinking about and contemplating what are some of the key areas where we might get some objections, we might get some challenges, and think about what those themes are and plan accordingly, then at least we're going to be more prepared. And through that preparation, the level of confidence we have when we actually start to do the actual pitch will significantly be increased. So one of the key processes I took the team through this morning was a nine-step planning process for the pitch or for the presentation. And I want to just give a high-level overview of what these nine steps are and issue you with a challenge that if you're doing lots of presentations, lots of pitches, then take a step back and start looking at these nine steps and implement these nine steps and just watch what happens in terms of your effectiveness, your level of influence and the results you start getting and the outcomes you start driving from your pitches and from your presentations. Now, these nine steps come from a gentleman by the name of Peter Rogen, who uh, created a pitch structure and a presentation structure way back in the 1960s. And uh, through that process, developed an organization by the name of Rogen, who then became Rogen SI, which I was fortunate enough to do some work with from 2015 through to 2020. And one of the key programs, of course, was running presentation skills, typically a two-day program. And to see the transformation within individuals and within teams in the space of two days was incredible. And a lot of it had to do with the structure that they used, but also the planning process that I'll take you through today. So if nothing else out of this particular episode, if you can take away some key points around, hey, I just got to improve my level of presentation planning before I go into a pitch, do that and just watch what happens to your effectiveness. So here are the nine steps. And if you'd like further information about this, please send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au or drop me a line on LinkedIn. More than happy to have a conversation or provide any further information that you might be looking for. So step number one, which is probably the most fundamental step, but it's often the step that many people overlook, and that is conducting an audience analysis. Now, with this particular case, there's a number of elements to this. One of the key elements is if I know my audience, that is the specific people, the names of the people and the roles they play, then I might have a clear idea as to who they are, what role they play and why they might be there. If I don't have an indication as to the people, I'll still make an assumption there'll be a number of different characteristics that will exist within that room. And if there's more than four or five people in a particular presentation, then there's a very high probability of having at least four different personal styles or communication styles. So you're going to have people who are very much big picture type people who are just interested in the the high level overview. You're going to have some people who are the opposite to that. They want a a lot of detail and they'll ask lots and lots of questions. You'll have people who want to know what the personal impact or the human impact is going to be through this particular pitch or presentation. And then you're going to have other people who simply want to know what the bottom line impact is going to be. How is this going to drive our business forward? What sort of bottom line result are we going to get if we go with you in terms of your potential solution? So there'll be typically four different types of people with or characteristics within that particular room. Now, if you do know the actual people that are going to be there, 
then you know what their role is going to be. You need to also think about what is the role they're going to be playing in that room? What are they looking for out of that presentation and why are they there? Why is it important for them to listen to this and why do they need to take action? So doing the audience analysis, it's really understanding who's going to be in your audience so you can now start to plan your presentation around the people who are going to be there. That's step number one. Step number two is based on that audience analysis, we've now got to think about and identify what is the key outcome we're looking for for this presentation. What is the objective of the presentation? And we've got to always start with the end in mind and think, what does success look like? What is the action I want these people to take? And how do I want them to walk away at the end of the presentation or at the end of the pitch? Now, there's three key areas to think about as part of the objective setting for the presentation. The first one is to think about, okay, what is it that I want the audience to be thinking as a result of my presentation. Now, it might be things like, I want them to think that they're making the best decision by coming with our organization. I want them to think perhaps that it's a sure bet working with us and partnering with us. I want them to think be and be confident that we've got the right solution in place. Whatever it is for you, think about and really and delve into this and spend some time thinking about what it is that you want these people to think as a result of your presentation. The second element of this is to now, based on what they think, How is it that you want them to feel? As a result of your presentation, do you want them to feel engaged, excited, empowered, or whatever other feeling that's going to be relevant to you in your pitch? We've got to really tap into, okay, based on the end of this presentation, how is it they want them to be feeling as they walk out of this presentation? Because if they're feeling something, and we can get very specific on this, then the third element becomes a lot easier, and that is, what is it that I want them to do as a result of this presentation? So my objective is to think of these three things. What is it that I want them to think? How is it that I want them to feel? And what is it that I want them to do? These first two steps are probably one of the most important, if not the most important element of any pitch or any presentation we're going to put together. And unfortunately, most salespeople do not think about A, the audience, and B, the key objective of the presentation. They think they know it, or they might actually say it off the cuff, but they don't spend near enough time analyzing and challenging what the audience analysis is all about and what the key objectives are of that presentation. So if we can nail these first two steps, it makes the next seven steps a hell of a lot easier. So step number three, having done the audience analysis and the objective of the presentation, we can now move to doing some research and collecting some information that will be relevant and aligned to the objective of our presentation. This is where we're now going to start to put together some content. So what is it based on the outcomes I'm looking for for this particular pitch? What information do I have to gather? And how can I start putting this together in a format that will enable me to meet the objectives that I've set? So instead of actually just getting a heap of information and throwing it up against a wall, hoping that some of it's going to stick, I can now be very, very targeted and very, very focused. So if I want them to feel a certain thing and think a certain way, then what is the content, what are the messages that I need to have that are very specific that will be aligned to those objectives. So as a metaphor, what I often share with groups is if I had a bucket of Lego and that Lego was multicolored and I threw all the Lego on a table and I asked the team to build a yellow cube, then they would have to go through and sift through and pick out the yellow pieces and therefore build the cube. But it would be a hell of a lot easier if I knew exactly what I wanted to, to get, what the objective was, how I wanted to think, feel, and therefore do, in terms of the Lego pieces, then I'll just give them the yellow pieces and ask them specifically to build a yellow cube. So being really, really clear on what is the information you have to grab, what is the information that will be relevant, and therefore relevant to the objective of the presentation is the third step. Do the research 
and that will prevent you from putting too much information into your pitch and into your presentation. Step number four following on from that is now you're in a position to start choosing what sort of structure am I going to use for a presentation. Thinking about every presentation, every movie, every song, every email, and look, every conversation has three core components. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and has an end. So there are many, many different structures out there for presentations, and a couple of really simple ones that I shared with the group today was one called Tell Them, Tell Them, Tell Them, which is essentially tell them what you're about to tell the audience, then tell the audience, and then tell them what you've just told. So repeating the same message, because often people need to hear messages more than three times in order for it to sink in. And the other structure, which is equally impactful, but also makes it really, really easy to plan a presentation and also deliver a presentation, is called the informative structure, which I won't have time to go through today, but if you're interested in getting a copy of that and a template of that, then please reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au and I'd be happy to send that through to you. So step number four is to be able to choose a structure. Step number five is selecting visual aids. And this is a really interesting one because often when I speak to sales teams and leaders, they think, well, the first thing we want to do if they're being asked to do a presentation is to go straight to creating some form of document or creating some sort of deck. Now, having worked at Telstra for many years, this was uh, this was a known a known thing that if you went to any presentation or any meeting, you had to have some sort of deck. Otherwise, there wasn't any credibility apparently that was uh, that was involved in that particular meeting, which is absolutely, you know, let's just say it's a crock. But uh, many people unfortunately start with the visual aids, and reason I've got it at number five is because it is not the be-all and end-all of your pitch or of your presentation. Now, unfortunately, many people make this mistake. They think that their presentation is the presentation, that the pitch deck is the pitch deck. And I've seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times, where people have put all their effort and all their emphasis on the document and all the words that go onto the document. And then when they present, when they pitch, they're literally standing in front of a group and they're reading from the pitch deck or from the presentation. Now, if they're doing that, you might as well just give a document to people and let them read it and ask you any questions. The visual aid needs to be an enhancement and a support to you. It does not replace you. And one of the key tests for this, and I tested this out many years ago, that if you give somebody a copy of your presentation and they look at that and they get all the information and they get the context of what the vibe is of that presentation, then you've probably got too much information. What should happen is they should be able to look at your presentation and get a general sense of what it might be about, but they won't get the full picture because you are the person who is going to deliver that big picture. It is there to complement what you're about to say because when you think about it, the visual aid is you. When you're pitching, when you're presenting, you want the attention to be on you. You do not want the attention to be on the PowerPoint deck. So selecting your visual aids, and that could be anything from a PowerPoint. It could be a flip chart, a whiteboard. You might even use documents. Uh, You might even have some props or some physical products. But making sure that you're selecting what is the most appropriate visual aid that's going to support your pitch and your presentation, not replace you. So too many people, again, place far too much emphasis on the content of the presentation rather than the context of the presentation. So that's why it's at step number five. It's there to support, not to replace. Step number six, therefore, if you've done the first five steps really, really well, then we should have a really powerful framework from which to be able to deliver a pitch or make that presentation. So step number six in the process is to do a read-through. And the read-through is really, really important. It's not a rehearsal because that's the next step. But the read-through is just to do a bit of a a page turn or a bit of a walkthrough in terms of what is the information that I'm sharing and always ask the question, so what? 
How does this relate back to step number one in terms of the audience analysis? How does it then relate back to step number two, which is the objective of the presentation? So you can go through every single point on the presentation, on the visual aids, on the structure, and think about, okay, do I have all the information I need in order to give myself every opportunity of meeting the objective that I set, and will it meet the objectives of the audience in terms of doing my audience analysis? So doing the read-through will enable you to either remove some stuff add some stuff or give yourself a tick to say, hey, I've got everything exactly where it needs to be. And let's now go to step number seven, which is now let's do some rehearsal. And I love asking this question of of audiences in terms of rehearsing and particularly when it comes to pitching is how much rehearsal do you do? And if you do rehearse, can you rehearse too much? And it's really intriguing as to the number of different responses that I get. And it's anything from, hey, I don't don't rehearse, I just stand up and I do it because I know my content and I just quote-unquote wing it, and sometimes hope for the best, right through to the other end of the spectrum, to the point where, hey, I rehearse to the point where I need to know exactly what words to say at what particular point. Now, some key thoughts around rehearsing. Number one, we've got to rehearse. If we want to stack the odds in our favor to get a great outcome, we need to do some form of rehearsal. The thing about rehearsal is you can sometimes rehearse too much, but only if you're trying to remember the words to say. So it's almost like rote learning. If you're trying to remember the words to say, and what if in the presentation you forget a word or you forget a line, you potentially can stuff up your entire presentation because you don't know where you're going to be at. Why? Because you've rehearsed exactly what to say. You haven't necessarily understood the content and be able to deliver that in a conversational way. So the key point around rehearsal, and I often challenge sales teams around this and certainly leaders, is yes, rehearse. By all means, rehearse in front of a camera, rehearse in front and record your voice and then listen back to it. But try to reduce your content down to some key points, some key dot points or some key phrases or some key sentences and build a conversation around those. Because when we do that, it will sound authentic, it will sound unscripted, but it will sound more genuine. And I guarantee it'll be conversational and people will actually resonate with that more than trying to get the words right. So rehearse, 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 but rehearse to the point where you're not remembering the words, rehearse in terms of being able to articulate the content in different ways. Then step number eight is once you've done all of that and you've done some rehearsals and you've got some feedback and you're really set, now you can move into delivery phase where, hey, we can just have some fun and deliver the presentation and deliver the pitch. Now, when when people hear me say, now when you get to the delivery phase, you should have a good high level of skill set to be able to deliver this, but more importantly, you should be able to have fun. And it's funny when I say that, they look at me as if I'm a complete weirdo because for most people, presenting in front of a group is anything but fun and they would think of anything else that they would prefer to do than deliver a presentation in front of a group of people. However, the funny thing is when you've got a structure in place and when you have a planning process in place like I'm taking you through, the level of fun that you can start to derive from doing pitches and having conversations with groups goes through the roof. So if you do all this work first and foremost, when you do get to delivery, it's not about getting the words right. It's about delivering the message in an authentic way and having fun through the process because how you deliver the message will actually resonate often more than the words that you use in that presentation. So that's step number eight, deliver the message and have some fun in the process. And then step number nine, which is the final step in the planning process is having delivered the presentation, it's really important now to do a bit of a review and give some, give yourself some feedback, but also get some feedback from others who you trust where they can help you get better. And a key part about this is first and foremost, 
Don't do it straight after a presentation because uh, normally after a presentation, the emotions are pretty high. And uh, more often than not, we are going to be more likely to look at the things and think about the things we didn't do as well as we had hoped or we expected rather than focus on the things that were positive. So from a review point of view, a couple of key points. Number one, don't do the review straight after. Give yourself a number of hours. And I said to the team today, maybe 12 or 24 hours. So the further removed you are from the actual event, the less emotion is going to have attached to it. And you can now be a little bit more pragmatic in terms of that review. And then point number two is make sure you're first focusing on what are the things that you did well first. So what are the wins that you had with this presentation or this pitch? And then you can have a conversation with yourself and get some feedback from others in terms of what are the lessons, what are the learns you got from it, what are some things you might be able to do differently when you're given the opportunity to do it again. So they are the nine key planning steps and are geared around helping you to pitch to win and certainly increase your influence when it comes to planning a presentation and certainly pitching to win business or pitching to get an idea across the line. So the key message out of this particular episode is this. That is, as a sales leader, we need to lead by example. And one of the best ways that we can do that is through allocating time and committing time and being disciplined around this to plan the pitch and to plan the presentation. Because when we spend more time upfront planning, it means that when it comes time to execution, because we've done a lot of the hard work and a lot of the grunt work, you'll stack the odds in your favor to significantly improve your ability to influence and get the outcomes that you are looking for. So the challenge is to spend more time planning. And if you do that, you just might be surprised in terms of what happens in terms of your ability to influence and get the ideas across the line, maybe sooner than perhaps you're getting right now. So I hope that message helps. Hope that message resonates. As a key reminder, as we wrap up this episode, when you're ready to work together, or in fact, if you need some help with your sales team in relation to their selling skills, their influencing skills, in fact, their pitching skills, love to have an opportunity of speaking with you and see how I may be of assistance. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation about where you're at and also where your team's at, map out a plan and start executing that plan ASAP. So I look forward to that conversation. Once again, thank you very much for plugging into the podcast and I look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com And let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.